We are going to continue our study uh, and struggle this morning with a look at Ephesians 6, verse 12, and I want to encourage you and invite you along with me. Let's go ahead and uh, let's look at this verse, and let's repeat it a few times to see if we can't start getting it into our, uh, our brains, and then over this week, maybe into our hearts. You say this with me. We, we have all the words the first time, then we'll start taking them away. Ephesians 6.12 For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Uh, one of the things, as we before we get to the next go-through, one of the things I've done in helping me to remember the order of things is uh, rulers have power and then the world and then spiritual. So it's kind of these four things that our fight is against, they, they grow as we go through it. That, that has helped me. If it helps you, great. If it doesn't, jettison what I just said. But uh, I find that helps me make sure I keep the order correct. So let's say this again. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. All right, one more time. We're taking all the big words away. Let's see how we do, shall we? Ephesians 6.12 For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. All right, good job, good job. It's, it can be a struggle even just to do this memorization, you know, but uh, our brains are adaptable and we can figure it out and we can memorize it and we can grow in it. And, and today we, we are looking at, I, I kind of like how this verse moves off of the 1 Corinthians 10, 13 one. You know, no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man, and God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. See how it just kind of flows together, you know, and we're, we're doing that. We're cutting and pasting, but that's all right. This, this verse, actually, Ephesians 6.12, is in the middle of the passage about the, the armor of God, putting on the armor of God, and the reason why we need to put on the, the full armor of God is because ultimately... Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual powers in the world. And, and when he says our struggle is not against flesh and blood, uh, here's an interesting thing, I, I think. So, you know, a lot of times, well, for one thing, this is an interesting thing for Paul to say. Because how often does he talk about struggling with the flesh and fighting against the flesh and not giving into the flesh? So if you go through Romans and then you turn to first, uh, then turn to Ephesians, you'll say, "Wow, I just spent an entire book 
learning about struggling with the flesh and not giving into the flesh and not living for the flesh. And here he says, but our struggle isn't against. But he doesn't say the flesh. He says flesh and blood. And in fact, in the Greek, it was blood and flesh. For our struggle is not against blood and flesh. And we change it because it just rolls off the English tongue a bit better, flesh and blood. And we talk about things, flesh and blood. It's kind of like put on your shoes and socks. Nobody gets their shoes on first. We should say put your socks and shoes on, but that just, that just doesn't come out right. It's hard to say. Shoes and socks just flows. And we all know we actually mean the opposite order. And the same way we say our, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, what he's, he's not saying our struggle is not against the flesh, that, which is set up against the spirit. Those desires that we have, those temptations that we have, those lusts that we have, he's not saying that. What he is saying is, by saying flesh and blood, he's talking about humanity. He is saying that our struggle is not against other people. And I would even say beyond other people, because I, I, that's the way I kind of originally, when I read this, I think about it is, oh, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle isn't against those other people out there. Our struggle isn't against that person who causes your life to be a pain. Our struggle is not against that employer who's really kind of a jerk. That's, that's what we start with. But when you think about our struggle, well, we're flesh and blood too. So our struggle is not really with ourselves so much. Our struggle is not with uh, all that is flesh and blood, the world. He says our struggle is not with it. Now, now it may feel like it at times. I don't know about you, but I've had plenty of people in my life, and myself included, that seem to be my enemy, who seem to be trying to hurt me, who seem to be those that I am struggling with. And this word that is interpreted in the New American Standard as struggle is the idea of a wrestling bout, a conflict. It comes from a root word that means to sway. And if you've ever watched wrestlers, not the pro guys, but the real wrestler ones I'm talking about, you know, what is, what is the primary movement of wrestling? If you were to, to knock it down to one thing, it's to put a, put, put a person off balance, one way or another, to sway them, to knock them sideways so that you can take them down, that you can get on top of them, that you can uh, completely make them submissive. That's what wrestling is. It's to sway. It's to move. It's to, to try to trip a person up and knock them over, in essence. I know there's more to it. Our struggle, this, this, this grappling, this wrestling, is not against flesh and blood. And I think this is an, an important thing for us to remember because uh, there are a lot of people out there that seem to be against us. There are a lot of people that you will run into that seem to be Uh, somebody you're wrestling with, somebody that you're struggling with. And even in our own lives, we struggle with our own impulses, our own desires, right? And we we say, oh, that's the flesh getting at me. Well, well, here's the thing. We do struggle with our flesh, and we do struggle with people around us, but, but flesh and blood are not the enemy. Flesh and blood is the battlefield, not the enemy. The flesh and blood is the place the, the mat, you might say, where the wrestling, where the struggling happens. 
We can focus on the flesh and blood. We can focus on the other people in our lives. We can focus on our, our own struggles. And as long as we keep things in a, in a physical realm, we're always going to be missing. Because the struggle isn't just, it isn't just stop doing that. If the struggle was just stop doing that, most people would be able to overcome it. But the struggle is greater than just don't do it. Because there are spiritual forces involved. And those spiritual forces are the true enemy that we are wrestling against, not, not one another. Now, now, we all know people, though, that seem to be our enemies, right? And some of them are willingly wicked, willingly evil. But what, what Ephesians 6.12 reminds us is that those people are a battlefield. They're, they're, they're in the midst of the struggle just as much as you are. And maybe they're pinned. Maybe they're down for the count. But they're still part of the battlefield. They are not the enemy. They have a common enemy. We all on this planet have a common enemy. Sin in ourselves. The devil over all. The wickedness. The, these, as we see in uh, verse 12 there, you know, the, these rulers, these powers, these world forces of this darkness. Now, now, some people look at rulers and powers and they think, well, those are angelic beings. Those are, and you can say that. But, you know, I think, I think when we talk about our struggle against the rulers and against the powers, and especially as you're, as you're thinking about Paul writing to the Ephesians and struggling in the world and how does the church work within Rome? Yes, granted, Spiritual powers and rulers are a big thing, but part of the struggle that we are against is positions of power. Those that take and sit in positions of, of power, who are rulers. And, and one of the things, that, and I, I struggled with this, I wrestled with this idea for quite a while, but I, I believe that positions of authority are inherently corrupt. I think what Paul is saying here is that the positions of authority are inherently corrupt. That you cannot have sinful human beings and put somebody over other people and not have problems. That person may not be corrupt. That person may be a believer in Jesus Christ. They can't help it. Our struggle with them is not so much, oh, we just need to replace them with the right one. No. We need to recognize and understand that positions of authority are inherently corrupt. Now, let me give you some examples for what I'm talking about. It's easy to say, oh, you know, dictators and things like that. But as a pastor, let, let, let's just, how many, how many articles or news reports have you seen over the last few years about bad pastors? And, and maybe some of them are bad agents that got into pastoring for the wrong reasons, but I think more often what happens is that a man who was called by God, who loved the Lord dearly, got into a position of power, and over time the power took over. And there weren't people around him to keep that from happening. Instead, what we often read about are board members and elders and deacons who help, who uh, don't act as a as a stopgap, but instead are just a sounding board to say, yeah, that's a great idea, boss. Yeah, let's go with that, boss. 
And when things happen, they, they're the ones that work at hiding it. Positions of power, positions of authority are inherently corrupt. And what Paul is saying here is, is that our struggle is with uh, rulers. It's against powers. It's against the powers that they have. And I look at this in my own life as a pastor. One of the things that when I first came here, we put out the e-letter, and it's an online thing, and it goes out as an email. And when I first got here, you had to populate the e-letter within an HTML window. Okay? And it was so corrupt that it took me hours to write a new e-letter. It was awful. And I would save it, and it wouldn't save, then I'd have to start all over again. And I finally figured out how I could create the e-letter in a different format, save it, and just add it as a link in the email. And that's the way it goes out now. It's been going out that way probably for uh, eight or ten years or so. You know, I, I, I work it up in a publishing file. I save it as a PDF. Man, it's a beautiful thing. It it saved hours of my life. And I was putting it out, and after a couple of months, I got a very angry interaction with one of the, the members of our church. And, and this member of the church was angry with me for changing the format of the e-letter. Because this member of the church uh, would copy the e-letter and save it in a Word document. They did that every week. It was very important to them. And they were not happy with me for changing the format and the way it, I rocked their world, and they did not like that. Now, did I do anything maliciously? No. In fact, I did a good thing. But that's the problem with positions of authority or power. You can't even do a good thing without hurting somebody in a sinful world. The only person that can pull this off is Jesus. And he's doing it over the church. Jesus has never done anything that was good that ended up hurting us in a negative way. But because of my sin, because of this other member's sin, uh, we can't help it. And I, I, I just had to say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, to mess up your world. This is why I changed it. Uh, you can still save it. You just have to right-click and download it. But yeah, you, you won't be able to just copy and paste like you used to, and I'm sorry. You know, and, and don't worry, uh, a few weeks later that member came back to me and apologized. Like, I don't know why I got so upset. But even in the most, and this is a benign example, you can't help but cause stuff. And think about it. How many times has somebody changed something with the worship service or with the church or with this or with that, and it upset somebody or it angered somebody. We, you can't do it. Those positions of power, those rulers, even the best, the most holy person that gets put in a position of authority, say as a president or the governor or principal, sooner or later you're going to try to make the best decision you can and it's not going to be the right one. Sooner or later you're going to make the best decision you can and it's going to upset some people. It just comes with the territory. And the thing isn't to get rid of those positions of power like some people today want to do. The, 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 the solution is to recognize that even a good person 
when put in a position of power, can have a negative impact on other people and on the church. You know, I, I think of this, you know, parents, raising kids. You're in a position of authority. And yeah, I, it, this is why I really struggle with this, but it's inherently corrupt. Because you're trying to do the right thing, but you aren't 100% knowledgeable. You don't always know what's going on in the other person's mind. You're going to make decisions that upset them or hurt them. You're going to make a decision that was the wrong one, but you're the authority. You're the one that says, no, you're going to sit there until you eat your green peas. And I don't care if they're gray and fuzzy. By the time you eat them, you're going to eat them because you want to instill discipline. You want to instill values in your child. And I'm not speaking from experience. I don't know anybody has actually ever said that to that extent for the green peas. I do know somebody that had to eat grape nuts a couple days old, and that wasn't a fun experience from what I understand from family lore. You can't help it. We're faulty people. We're sinners. Our struggle, and we need to recognize our struggle is not necessarily with that human being in that position. Our struggle is with the structure. Our struggle is with the fact that we have to have that position of authority, and that position of authority is filled by a sinful, fallen fallible human being and so they're going to make some mistakes and so we have to be to a certain extent willing to forgive those mistakes work with them pray for them this is why we are called to pray for them because they need it because our struggle even as we think oh it's caesar he's the problem no that's what paul was saying no there's a greater problem that's bigger than caesar this is what Jesus was saying when he was in front of Pilate. And Pilate said, don't you understand? I have the authority to put you to death or to set you free. And Jesus was like, you don't have any authority that hasn't been given to you. You don't have any authority, really. You just have what's been given to you. And you're filling in your shoes. You're filling in that square. But there's a greater authority behind you. There's a greater authority above you. And that's what we need to remember, that those people, and, and, and maybe... You know, especially the ones that are really wicked, like county appraisers, right? Man, they need our prayer because they've been corrupted. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe they've given in too much. And that's, that's one of the things, you know, when we think about these positions of power and, and positions that rulers take, you can sometimes think, yeah, but this person, they are fully into it. They're not, you know, there needs to be a certain amount of humility when you take on one of these positions. There needs to be the ability to say, I could be wrong. There needs to be the ability to say, wow, I'm, I'm sorry, I wasn't thinking about that, or I wasn't thinking about how it would impact you, and I'm sorry. And, and one of the things we struggle with right now is we have leaders that can never say they're sorry. They can never say they're wrong. They must always keep pushing forward because we live in an environment and in a culture that has no room for somebody to say I was wrong. That's just blood to the shark. And we can think and say, yeah, but this person's really corrupt. Or maybe they've been in that office or maybe they've been in Washington for 50 years and they have become a, a whole new animal in our minds, right? They're, they're, they're not human anymore is, is how we can kind of think of them sometimes. Maybe they've given themselves fully in. You know, I, I, I think, for instance, of Hitler. Becoming the chancellor of Germany did not make him wicked, right? He was wicked before. His wickedness was driving him to figure out, how can I take more power? How can I be put into a better position to rule over Germany? 
his wickedness was driving him there. And that's why uh, after we have against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness. Now some people may be so given to the darkness that they are dark completely. They have given themselves so fully to rebellion against God that they seem, at least humanly speaking, without hope, out of reach. And it's, but we need to remember, even as we might think, wow, that person's so far gone, we need to recognize and remember they still represent the battlefield. And that position of authority or, or whatever they are using, that isn't even really the worst part of it. It's this, these world forces of this darkness. And, and this is an interesting translation because world forces is actually one word in the Greek. And it means the ruler of this world, in essence, the rulers of the world. The, 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 those that, that have might who control the world. And so it's not just the idea, though, of, of that there is a power out there that our struggle is against that one who would control the world or, or have might and authority over the world, but specifically of this darkness, of the darkness we face as the church going out as light, against the darkness that is the rebellion against God, that is humanity saying we're going to go our own way. We're going to do it the way we want to do it and we're not going to listen to God and we're not going to believe in Jesus Christ. We're going to go our own way. This world forces is sometimes understood to be a direct reference to Satan. But it's that power, the ruler of the world, the rulers of the world, those that would enforce their might. And connected with that, the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. That our fight isn't just on this, this earth, but even in the heavenly places. There is a, stru a struggle going on with spiritual forces. But they're not spiritual forces for good. They're not of the Holy Spirit in the sense of being spiritual forces. But they're spiritual forces of wickedness, of evil. And so as we, as we struggle, even with a human being who seems fully given in, and they are fully evil as far as we can tell and experience from them, we have to remember they're just really kind of the, 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 the current manifestation of a greater power, of a greater foe. The struggle is always there. It's, it's the world powers that would rule, the world forces of this darkness, and they're the spiritual forces of wickedness, of evil, that are even in the heavenly places. That, that the, pow the battle is so much beyond us. The true struggle is not with humans. It's not with one another. It's not even with the really wicked humans or ideologies. The true struggle is with spiritual forces of evil. I don't know about you, but I need to remember that a lot. Because a lot of times, once I have a face to a problem, that face is everything. And that person's the problem. If we just get rid of that person, if we just did this, and it's so helpful to remember, it's so much bigger than one person. It's so much bigger than a bunch of people. It's so much bigger than a nation. It's so much bigger than a political ideology. It's so much bigger than a, 
economic ideology. That the struggle that we are in is spiritual. And that, that's Paul's reason for this entire passage. Is our, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the spiritual forces that we face. It's the rulers. It's the powers. It's the, the world forces of this darkness. It's the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. This is a spiritual struggle. And that's why he said right beforehand, you know, we began verse 12 with a four. Well, right before that is verse 11, where he said, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. And, and that's why he says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is against the devil. It's the schemes, the plans of the devil who works through the spiritual forces of wickedness, who works through the world forces of this darkness, who works through those powers of uh, those positions of power and authority to enslave, to rule, to destroy. This is what we're really up against. Even as we face people who seem to be fully in the, employed by Satan, we need to remember they're not Satan. No, he is greater than they are. He is controlling them, and, and if you get rid of them, they'll just be replaced by somebody else. The struggle is greater, and that's why, that's why he's telling us here that we need to put on the full armor of God because we do not have it in our own capability. In fact, he, uh, right after verse 12, it moves on with uh, take up the full armor of God and, and, and goes through it. And This study has made me really want to go back and study the, 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 you know, do a sermon series maybe in 2023 on the armor of God. Unfortunately, because we're just looking at this verse, that would be taking us out of it. But in verse 10 before verse 11, to begin this whole thing, how do we put on the full armor of God? Why do we put on the full armor of God? So that we'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. But in verse 10, he tells us, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And I, I love this because the word might there, the strength of his might, that's, you know, that word might, it has the idea, the same idea as, as the uh, world forces. The world forces, that the Greek word for that was cosmos krator, and might here is just krator. So the world forces versus God and his might, his force. And that's what Paul is telling the Ephesians to be strong in the Lord and the strength, in, in God's strength, of His rule, of His authority over things. As, as we go up against, as we struggle with spiritual forces that are, are given fully to wickedness and world forces, the world rulers, as it would be, if you, if you translated it literally, we need to be strong in the Lord and the strength of His rule to have any chance against these world rulers, their authority, their power. Our struggle is not with flesh and blood, but against those spiritual forces. And that's why, that's why Paul says, be strong in the Lord and strength as might, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm. 
Because in the end, if we try to go it on our own, if we, if we face the spiritual battle as if it was a physical battle against flesh and blood, we're going to be toast. I think that's probably one of the reasons why so many of those Christian leaders end up failing and becoming corrupted by their positions of authority because they're going at it by the strength of their might. And then they get too powerful in their position. And then they're brought down. Instead, we need to be strong in the Lord because the only way to survive is through the Lord. The only way to be able to fight back against the powers of darkness is through the might of the Lord. And our only hope, even though we're not getting into it today, our hope is to put on the armor of God. And if you go and you look from uh, verse 13 to verse 17, you'll, you'll get those, the armor of God. You know, it includes uh, truth. It includes faith. It includes salvation. It includes the Word of God, putting these on so that we can be protected and grow. I think a lot of that has to do with I think one of the big ways we are putting on the armor of God in our lives this year is by doing scripture memorization in the hopes that when you're struggling with a person in your life, maybe a coworker, maybe a neighbor, take your eyes off of them and remind yourself, my struggle is not against flesh and blood. If I have a struggle with this person, it's possible because they're given to sin or I'm given to sin. My struggle with them is not really the flesh and blood. It's the fact that we're sinners and one or both are giving in to that sin if we're having a struggle, if we're fighting with one another, if we don't like each other. If it's a struggle with a coworker or a boss, well, I have to remind myself there's, there's more going on here than just their personality or my personality. There's the possibility of sin. There's the possibility that this is a person who's doing best they can and they're in a position of authority and maybe they don't even want it but they have it and they're doing the best they can and they hurt me because of that and so i need to be gracious and forgiving but as long as my focus is on the flesh and the blood i'm not going to be fighting the right battles i'm not making the right struggles because they're just the battlefield the true struggle is with the spiritual powers and the only way to survive that struggle is to be strong in the Lord. To remind ourselves and we're, when we're in those struggles, oh, my struggle's not against flesh and blood. This person's really ticking me off, but they're not the issue. I need to love them because the issue is greater. It's a spiritual issue. How differently would we approach people if we recognized that they are not the problem? They may be part of the problem, they may be the avenue for the problem, but the problem, the true struggle, is with those spiritual world-controlling forces of wickedness and darkness. That's who we're really fighting against. And the only way to win, to, to, to stand, I, I, I think it's, uh, you know, in verse 11 he says, so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. And, and in verse 13, I, I, I don't have this up here. Listen, therefore take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day 
and having done everything to stand firm. Remember last week, it was he'll give us the way to escape so that we might be able to endure. Well, when you resist, it's an ongoing thing. It takes endurance. We are going to stand firm at the end. And that's the focus, is that it, it, it doesn't happen once and it's over. No, it's, a, it's an ongoing, continual struggle until the very end. And the only way we're going to survive that slog is by standing firm in the Lord, by trusting in Him, by relying on the grace, the sacrifice of Jesus and the grace He gives us. And so I hope as we go through this week, as you apply this verse to memory, maybe you'll even have some times to apply it in life as you deal with those people around you, that flesh and blood, maybe even yourself as you're tempted. You're the battlefield. You're not the enemy. It's those spiritual battles, those desires that come in. So let's see if we can remember this together. And I pray that you try and apply this to your life this week. As we remember, say it with me, Ephesians 6.12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, Lord, we need to be reminded regularly our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It may feel like it is, and, and we may have people in our minds right now that they seem to be the enemy. Lord, we pray that you would help us to have compassion upon them, to recognize in them a person struggling against spiritual forces that are greater than they are. And those people may not have your Son. They may not have your Holy Spirit living in them to, to guide them into truth and to show them the way. How much harder is it for them than it is for us? And yet, Lord, how often do we fail how often do we fall to those spiritual powers, those uh, temptations in our lives? Lord, we pray that you would help us to stand firm in you. That we would seek your might, your rule, your reign. That we would put on the full armor that you have given us to defend us, to protect us. Lord, we pray. As we interact with people, as we, as we read the news and see things going on, that you would elevate our eyes from the human beings that are carrying out these things to the true powers that the fight is really against. And Lord, we pray as we, as we come into these struggles and face them and interact with people that our first step would be to pray. That we would pray constantly in Your Spirit for guidance, for strength, wisdom that we might stand firm to the end. We ask these things today in Jesus' name. Amen.